0: Amen, church? Yeah, it's nailed to the cross. It doesn't follow you around anymore. It can't catch you anymore. Oh, sure, we still step into sin once in a while, but the guilt of it and the shame of it and the condemnation of it is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. And today, as we start to talk about this good news, and it is really good news, I want to share with you some other good news uh, about our church. We've got two people we want to introduce you to. This is Joseph and Abigail. I think we've got a picture of them here. These are our summer media interns. Joseph and Abigail, are you guys here this morning? Oh, yeah, they're right back here. Everybody, look back here, they'll wave. Let's welcome them. They both come to us from Harding University, and they're here to help us with media this summer. Uh, they're doing a bunch of really important projects. Abigail is helping us learn about social media and how to use it. Joseph is helping us rebuild our web page. They're helping us lay out some new booklets and, and things like that that we can use to show people about our church. They're taking pictures and video, getting some records of the life of this congregation, and it's so much more than just when we come together on Sunday morning for worship and for Bible classes, and when we come together on Wednesdays for Bible classes, they've already captured the kids playing frisbee uh, and Todd dominating all of them. They've already captured an ice cream truck that some members of our church had filled up with ice cream and were using to bless uh, the people at one of the um, organizations in town, DHS organization in town, that they work so hard and they get so little recognition. And these guys are recording the life of the church as we live out this good news day to day. So guys, we're so thankful you're here, and I'm enjoying working with you, and I hope everybody gets a chance to know you. And maybe... Uh, to take you to lunch sometimes. So anybody, you know, they're free. They're free for lunch. So take them to lunch. Okay. So if let's go ahead and move on then to our uh, message today. We're continuing in the book of Ephesians in one life because we are in Christ. We've been made in, into His one body and unified in the church, regardless of our background, our creeds, our politics our skin color, our place of origin, our ethnicity, our culture. Despite all those things, we've been made in Jesus Christ into one body, one body life. And now, God is helping us learn how to transform our lives through his power so that we're more effective and useful and filled with his life-giving power. We looked at this promise a couple weeks ago. He says he will fill us to the measure of all the fullness of God. And that seems like an impossible promise, doesn't it? How can we be filled to all the fullness of God? He's immense. His love is wide and deep and high, as we looked at a few days ago, a few weeks ago. And Jesus himself said that he came so that we would have life to overflowing. How do we step into that life? Well, a lot of it comes through the habits that we make with him as he transforms us. Think about the power of habits. Last week, we talked about maturity. I used a specific example about myself being 11 years old, wanting to play baseball, and being so immature that when my mom didn't do things the way I wanted as she practiced with me, that I yelled at her. I needed to grow up into maturity, and part of that secret in Christ is receiving the gift of his Holy Spirit that shapes me and you to contribute to his body, but there's more. Think about the baseball players that are going to play this week representing the Arkansas Razorbacks in the College World Series Finals. This is a pretty exciting time for Northwest Arkansas. The Razorbacks have been in the finals once before in 1979, and they lost, and so now We are rooting for them. In fact, you've probably seen people busting out colors they haven't worn since football season. And people are making pilgrimages to Omaha to go watch these talented players win. And think about the skills and the habits that those players have disciplined themselves with as they've worked with their coach and gotten to the place where now they're playing for this championship. You don't get there by failing to show up At practice, you get there by diligently sweating and working and trying even though you don't know what the end result will be. And if you only do it to win the championship, every other school that's been working and training and sweating and trying all year long would look at the end of their season and say, since we didn't win it, we're failures. We didn't get anything out of this but I don't think that's really the way they look at it because they've gained skills. They would say this, we didn't win the championship but we've gained friendships. We've worked hard and we've learned how to contribute to a team. We've shaped ourselves physically and we've done something we're proud of with our skills but there's still that goal, that goal that you do want to win. You do want to be so useful and contribute that your team succeeds and, and if the Razorbacks come home with that championship this week, not only will you hear woo pig suey all over northwest Arkansas, but they will have gotten there because of what they've learned as they've built these skills together. This is exactly what Paul is talking about when he says that the Gentiles have been darkened in the futility of their thinking. Paul is talking about habit formation. Skills for success, skills for living. And Paul's argument is this, you and I not only won't win, but we don't even have the basic necessary skills to take pride in what we've contributed until we're in Jesus Christ. Outside of him, this is the reality of life. He says, don't live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking because they're darkened in their understanding. You see, the lights have gone out on imagination. They can't even see themselves in a transformed life because of the darkening of their understanding. He says, they were separated from the life of God, not filled with it, but separate from it because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And so, having lost all sensitivity... They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they're even full of greed. Paul is saying that every choice that we make, little motions, little motions that we make, little practices that we do, build up inside of us calluses. And if those little motions are emotionally immature decisions, they build up calluses on the heart when I decide to yell at my mom, if I continue that kind of action and I get away with it and I continue to treat people that I love with disdain, my heart will become calloused and hard to where it's very hard for me to give love or to receive love. And so these little practices that we do either create muscle memory for victory or they create calluses for defeat. You see, it can work the other way. The things that we do can create a muscle memory just like those guys practicing on the field, but they do the same motions over and over and they repeat these good motions until it becomes second nature. Do any of you have your own habit, your own skill that you practice regularly so that muscle memory takes over when you're in front of a group or a crowd so that you don't experience stage fright? Some of you play instruments. And in this case, you develop good calluses on your fingers as you strum those chords or stronger chops as you blow that trumpet. But you practice these skills over and over so that when it's time to play with the band or perform at the square for first Friday or, uh, or you're just picking and grinning, that you have built in you a muscle memory of how the music flows and so that you enjoy it and so that these calluses serve you you see our emotional habits the way that we think paul says the way that we think is one of these muscle memory formation tools and he is going to give us a way to transform the way that we think and act so that we can step into the life and victory that jesus has provided look at how paul said this to the romans the same idea shows up in almost every one of his letters. He says, although they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God or give thanks to him, but their thinking became futile. What does futile mean? It means useless. It means worthless. It means it doesn't give a contribution to the community. It doesn't help you towards the end goal, and their foolish hearts were darkened. He also says this, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God sees that your life transformation isn't going to start just in the actions that you do, but here in your mind and work its way out into your hands. It'll work its way from the mind out through the heart into the hands and the feet. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And Paul will say, but of course, that's not the way you were trained in Christ Jesus to think. In Christ Jesus, when you heard about him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth, you were taught in regards to your old habits and your old way of life to put off yourself, to put off your old self, to take, in other words, some old dirty clothes that are covered in sweat and mud from the day on the practice field and to take off that old self. No one wants you crawling in bed at the end of the day with your work clothes on. Haven't you been taught put off the old clothes. Renew yourself in the shower, right? Put on the new clothes. It's the same way in our minds. You put off the old, soiled self. You clean up in the mind with God's power, with His help, and then you put on these new ways of living and acting in accordance with what you were taught in Jesus. For Paul, it's like a bridge. There's two pillars, and there's the road that runs across the bridge. The one pillar on the one side of the river, which is your old way of living, is the pillar that says you have things to set down to put off. There's certain ways of living that he's about to talk to us about that you simply can't do because they will destroy your habit formation And they'll destroy community and they'll tear down what you've been working for towards the goal. So on this one pillar, this is where you put off things. You set down the old clothes. You set down the old ways of living on this side of the river. And with Jesus' power, you cross this bridge. And this bridge takes place in your mind in which his spirit works with your spirit to help transform your mind and renew it so that you think with new hope and with new imagination and with new life. And then you descend those other steps or the ramp on the other side of the bridge where there's another pillar. And this pillar holding up the end of the bridge is what you put on. These are the new habits. This is what you fill yourself with. You don't just empty and leave yourself empty. You empty yourself of old, you fill yourself with new. You strip yourself of the old, you clothe yourselves in the new. You see how this bridge works. And the key to it, the road that runs across these pillars, is that Jesus needs to do something in your mind to help you cross this bridge. He says, therefore, now giving examples of the pillars what you take off and what you put on. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to one another. You see, on this side of the river, you've got to leave lying. You've got to make a choice. We're going to set that aside. And why? Because as I cross this bridge towards the goal, which is community building in the church, which is the one life of the church, as I cross that bridge, I don't want to tear down Christian community by, by keeping lies in my life. Lies only serve to help me save face. Well, in this community, in the one life of Jesus, as I cross this bridge, I'm changing my mind. The most important thing isn't me saving face anymore. It's me being able to help you see the light of the truth. And you see, if I stay in the lies... Right, and I keep keep wearing the lies. That's a false mask. I think I'm saving face, but all you're really seeing is a projection of who I wish I was. And that's hypocrisy, isn't it? So let's cross the bridge, leave falsehood there, let's change our minds, and let's put on truth, because that's what contributes to building up the body and the team of Jesus Christ. Look at the other things he says. He says, In your anger, don't sin. Now you're gonna be angry, but in your anger, don't commit yourself to going back across the bridge to the old destructive habits. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands. You see, we leave theft on this side of the river. We change our minds with Jesus Christ, and over here, we put on a new attitude, which is working hard, honest work. Think about each of these involves a putting off and a putting on. What's the reason? So you can contribute, so that through honest work, you'll have something to share with those in need. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up. You see, leave the sick talk behind, so that healthy talk will contribute to building up the team, the church, so that it can benefit those who listen. And and hear the rest of these verses. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. We'll talk about this more in a second. But he says you're already sealed in the Holy Spirit. You see, this should be a clue to you, that all of these instructions are not about earning heaven. They're about living with something useful to contribute to the community. You're already sealed in the Spirit if you're in Christ. But let's give something back. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Now our bridge looks like this. The pillar is now filled with specific actions that Paul wants us to set aside. We've got things like lying and theft and sick talk and bitterness and many more. All of those are on this side. And as we cross the bridge and changing our mind, we land in this new place where we have truth and honest work and healthy talk and kindness. And church, listen to this. These are not just the big sins. This doesn't mean that so long as you don't steal a jet, that you're still OK. This means we've got to leave on this side of the river stealing the 99-cent song that we rip off and download from the Internet. When I was in college, I was one of those Napster kids. Had a database of music, tens of thousands of songs that we had downloaded. Everybody would share for free, and the artists weren't getting paid for it. And I had a conviction while I was at Harding that that was wrong, and so I deleted my entire music library and started rebuilding from scratch because Jesus was changing my mind, and I was convicted that even though taking a song is a really small kind of sin in our eyes, that that habit formation was making my heart calloused by repeated exposure to the same motions and my muscle memory was becoming to take instead of to work honestly. And so this isn't a morality lesson about how God will shame you and slap your hand if you steal the song. It is a plea to start practicing well so that you can become full of the life that God wants to give you. Leave behind those small, silly, futile habits where you take things that don't belong to you, where you say things about people that aren't true to make yourself look bigger in their eyes, or where you say things about people that are true but could have been left unsaid so that you tear them down and, and by comparison make yourself look bigger. Let's cross the bridge, church. Because those things are creating a heart inside of us if we persist in them that is hard and dark and insensitive to God's love. And there is nothing that we want to be more sensitive to than the love of God. One of my favorite movies is The Karate Kid, the 1984 version, with Mr. Miyagi and Daniel son for years and years, I thought he was calling him Daniel's son," you know, like, uh, like my child." And I didn't even know that's like a word of respect and honor. Daniel's son means "respected one, respected Daniel. Mr. Miyagi has what Danielson wants: the skills to defeat the Cobra Kai, all of these guys that have been plaguing Daniels son's life that have been beating him up and treating him wrong, and he's carrying a lot of baggage, isn't he? But also, his mind is dark. He doesn't realize how dark. He wants to get the skills from Mr. Miyagi so that he can beat Cobra Kai to a pulp. And that's not exactly the transforming life that Jesus is talking about when he says, put off the old, cross the bridge, put on the new so that you can contribute to community. No, he wants the skills so he can kick some butt in the community. That's what he wants, selfish, futile, dark thinking and Mr. Miyagi does the strangest thing to Daniel's son he puts him to work at his house they make an agreement I will teach, you will learn karate Daniel is excited and then Mr. Miyagi says send the floor send the floor send the floor send the floor do you remember the other ones? okay, this is interactive church you can do this with me everybody right hand up Okay, send the floor left hand up send the floor right send the floor left send the floor Good, see, you're learning so well. We've also got paint the fence, okay? This is almost like yoga or something, isn't it? Paint the fence, right? Paint the fence, paint the fence. And then there's paint the house. Remember that one? The boards go sideways. Paint the house, paint the house, right? And the most famous one of all, wax the car, wax the car, wax the car. Wax the car. Okay, now everybody, we got to do this together. Or just this sermon isn't working, so we'll do them all once. Okay, so everybody, ready? Sand the floor first. Ready? Sand the. Every hands up. Sand the floor. Sand the floor. Paint the fence. Paint the fence. Paint the fence. Paint the house. Paint the house. Paint the house. Wax the car. Wax the car. Wax the car. And the whole time, Daniel's growing more and more frustrated. I mean, he is just out of his mind. Mister Miyagi comes back from fishing. And Daniel is painting his house while Mr. Miyagi is out having fun fishing, and he throws a temper tantrum. He's like, why didn't you take me fishing? And Mr. Miyagi says, well, you weren't here. You know, you hadn't shown up for work yet. And Daniel's like, well, fine. Maybe I didn't want to go fishing anyways. Did you ever think of that? And he starts marching around and stomping and yelling at Mr. Miyagi, telling him, you told me you'd teach me karate. All this is is slave labor. All I'm doing is painting your fence and sanding your floor. Mr. Miyagi turns and he looks him right in the eye, and he says, sand Sand the floor. And Daniel's like, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "Sand the floor." He's like, "Okay, whatever, crazy man." And he starts to get down on the floor. Mr. Miyagi kind of, you know, bops him on the shoulder, looks him in the eye, and he says, "Look in the eye, always in the eye, always in the eye." And he says, "Sand the floor." And Daniel sands the floor. And he runs him through all of them: paint the fence, paint the house, and all that. And then he picks up his hands and he says, "Sand the floor, <laughs> paint the fence." <laughs> What's the other one? Wax the car. Right? Oh, sand the floor. That was a cool one. It was like this. Sand the floor. Kicks at him twice. And every time now Daniel, with this muscle memory, just simply goes, chop, 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 chop. Right? Blocks every one. And then without warning, Mr. Miyagi goes through all of them. All six, whatever one's. yaw, 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 Right? Daniel blocks every one of them. You guys, it's so awesome. You see, this is what God is doing inside of you when he tells you, put off the old, put on the new. It's not about you earning your way to heaven. This is the mistake people so often make when they read these passages and they hear this stuff in church. Don't lie, tell the truth. They go, I know, I know, I know. I'm never good enough for Christians. It is not about that. You're already sealed in the spirit if you're in Jesus Christ. The sins are nailed to the cross. They can't chase you around anymore. Their guilt and condemnation and shame is gone, amen? It is not about earning your way to heaven or your way into God's love. This is about building skills so that you have love to give to others and have built the repeated muscle memory so that when you're treated wrong, you respond in love instead of hate. So that what comes out of your heart, Jesus said, it's not what comes, uh, goes into a man's mouth that makes him unclean, but what comes out of it. So that what comes out of your mouth and out of your heart are responses that are heavenly towards other people. This is not so that you can earn your way to heaven. It's so that you can distribute it in the world. These teachings are not so that God can point out your flaws. It's so that you won't be pushed off balance. If Daniel goes into the fight with Cobra Kai and he doesn't have these skills and these muscle memories and the teachings of the heart and the mind that Mr. Miyagi is changing, he will get the pulp beat out of him. All it will take is one of them to knock him off balance and the rest of the pack will descend. And so often this is the way our enemy works spiritually as well. He wants you to think you're doing so good, you're going to church, you're improving and all these things. But without the transformation of the mind where you understand that you've already received God's grace and these actions are not to earn His grace, they're to distribute His grace, you will live a graceless life trying to keep up and prove that you belong in the kingdom of heaven. But once you know it's been given to you freely, you can walk in grace and in balance. And when those punches and those kicks come, you will move in the patterns that God has taught you to move in, responding in love, responding in grace with compassion towards others. Here's a prayer for us today. Maybe you'll repeat this with me once. It's a simple prayer. I say this often. It's just a a little memorized heart prayer, really. God, make me useful to you. Can you say it with me once? God, make me useful to you. God, make me useful to building up your church. Perfect me not so that I'll be proud, but so that I'll be useful. God, make me useful to you. And today as we're going to have an invitation moment, and we already know that there's going to be a baptism, and someone today is going to put on Jesus Christ in baptism and experience a mind, heart, and soul transformation, I'm inviting you to walk along the bridge together hand in hand. For the sake of his church in the world, for the sake of building something useful in this team that he's pulled together, will you leave the old ways behind, not out of guilt and shame, but because you want to practice the right way, because you want to be dispensers of heaven. Let's stand together this morning. Let's sing out loud. And if anyone else wants to respond, come down front where our shepherds can pray with you.